Welcome to part two of purpose. Purpose. Plural. <laughs> purpose. Purposei. Purposei. Um, we broke this up into two so that we could give you some time to take it slow. Yeah. To really, can- you know soak it in. Yeah, it can be a lot. And in the in the podcast that we keep referring to was an interview that Kate Bowler did with Elizabeth Gilbert on her podcast called Everything Happens. Everything Happens. It was posted on December 14th, which is Oliver's third birthday, which felt like a sign. Wait, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Welcome to One Fry Short, you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other. We are not experts. Not even close. But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place. Shocker. And I have Kate Bowler's book, Good Enough, and it's 40-ish devotionals for a life of imperfection. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the most religious person, and there are some prayers that kind of make your eyes roll, but hers, I feel like I could cry every time. It's called Shiny Things, and it's about things taking our attention off of what's important, essentially. And um, she said, there's a lovely book of advice for writers called Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield, which talks about how much how much easier it is to pursue a version of something than the real thing. Pressfield says the biggest obstacle to great writing is the same for great living. It is to substitute a safer, lesser goal for the tough and exciting work you really ought to be doing. He calls this a shadow career. Um, The key, says Pressfield, is to ask yourself what your life is trying to point to. That's a wonderful and horrible thing to think about. Sometimes when we're terrified of embracing our true calling, we'll pursue a shadow calling instead. That shadow career is a metaphor for our real career. It shapes, its shape is similar. Its contours feel tantalizingly the same. So it's saying like, what, what do your major life choices point towards? Your relationship, your kids, your career, your hobbies, the places you want to travel? What is the most beautiful thing you can say about your life when you look at it? You want to love people. You want to challenge deeply held beliefs. You want to take risks. Write it down. Be clear. Be specific. What is the core truth of your life? The straightest arrow you can imagine finding there. Now ask yourself, is it aimed too low? What is the core truth of your life? Mm -hmm. That to me is the thing that I am constantly beating my head up against. Yeah. And I think with a, a person who like has anxiety, who is constantly questioning and doubting the truth of herself that is a very tricky place to be. Mm-hmm. As much as that resonates with me, it also, like you said, gives me a little bit of perfect purpose anxiety because I'm like, um, what is the thing I need to figure out? What is the core what truth is of this your life? Thing? And <sighs> stepping out of this conversation, like zooming out, I just want to hold us and be like, you don't need to figure it out right now. And maybe, maybe your purpose evolves and ebbs and flows throughout yes. your life. Yes. Maybe it's not just one thing forever. Maybe it's maybe instead of looking at our purpose as this one thing we're supposed to be aspiring to at all times, it morphs mm-hmm. and it becomes different. And maybe your purpose for the month is something and then the next month it's different. Like Elizabeth Gilbert said in her in in this podcast, she said like <laughs> she talked about holding this ladder mm-hmm, for this mm-hmm. man. 
this very unstable ladder in LA. She was just holding the ladder for this man. And the man didn't even know she was there holding and stabilizing the ladder. And she walked away and thought, maybe that was my entire life's purpose. And now I can just... Fuck off. Yeah, do whatever, which how freeing. I kind of had that thought, like, what if my purpose is to... What if my children might do something really cool, but my purpose was to just make sure they entered the world? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now I can just do whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel this intense purpose to raise good, kind children who are accepting, who are well-behaved, who are creative, who are, I have this long list. Mm -hmm. And I was telling my therapist that, and she said, how much pressure does that feel? And I said, it feels enormous. And I was like, I feel this, every conversation, every action, I feel like needs to have a teaching moment. And she was like, not every moment needs to be a teaching moment. And it felt very freeing to hear that because it's it kind of relates to what we're saying of not every thought that comes into our head needs to be taken seriously. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We have something bad happen and we're automatically, do I do I need to do something about this? What do I do about it? What do I and it kind of goes back to episode two? Are the thoughts in our head really you know, what if we just hear that thought and we see it and we say we're gonna deal with that later and we just see it and we swoosh it to the side. It's it it goes back to that like saying like you live to work or you work to live. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm and like if we view our jobs or parenthood or you know the things that we do with our lives as this like that's all there is or if I don't do this well everything else suffers. Mhm. Mm because when I feel like I'm not doing well at work or if I feel like I'm not in the right spot, it affects every single thing in my life. And I become this like hopeless version of myself because I can't figure – like I can't figure out how to use my – the talent that I've been given to – but then that even feels like egoic too. Like it's like who cares you know? Yeah, see, that's what it comes back to for me, too. <laughs> Another thing she said during this episode was, instead of trying to get the most out of life, try to get, get the, the least. least. <laughs> <laughs> what, if we, what if we had the ability to just do the things that brought us joy? It's... I feel fortunate enough to be able to be in a life situation where I don't have to be doing work that I don't enjoy. And I think that is a great privilege in life. But it feels like, what if all day you could just paint? Or, like, do you think the hard part about what she was saying to me, what Liz was saying, was that she was essentially like, just do what brings you joy, be creative don't feel the need to monetize it. But what I struggled with, what I was like, we need to make a living somehow. So how do you, did she address like how to find joy when you don't enjoy what you're doing? For well, I, I think like that is like a whole different conversation. Like 
So I always come back to the Danish style of life of Huga, which like that was, I was looking at like different cultures and how they view purpose and they were number two. And it was like their view. Number two of what? It was just, sorry. It was like a list of different cultures. It wasn't ranked. Mm. Um, but their, their source of like purpose, contentment, happiness comes from coziness purely from a way of life that involves being around other people having good conversations, playing games, eating good food. I don't know. It feels like what you're getting at is that they support lots of other areas of life besides work. Yes. yes. And it feels like in America, no matter how you roll the die, like everything revolves around what you do for money. Mm -hmm. Like every little thing, like – I get up on Monday and I go to work. I get up on Tuesday and I go to work. Wednesday, you know, it's like everything else is second to that. I mean, we spend most of our lives at work. Like, is that what the fuck we're supposed to be doing? Like, even saying that out loud is like, But there is so unfair because there's an older generation saying that we don't like to work. Everyone I know besides Brian is emailing at night and – is people know they have access to you and they know they have access to you. So you feel the need to respond like, and then you feel belated, like belated, whatever with setting boundaries for your mental health. Whereas it looks like you don't like to work and it's not that you don't want to work. It's it, you want to work an appropriate amount. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes down to work to live or live to work. The happiest societies in the world don't live to work. They work to live, and then they spend their time doing things that they enjoy. (laughs) And there's something to be said for that. And I don't know. I think when, when I think about purpose, I think about exactly what you said of, like, I think it can ebb and flow throughout our life. I don't think we need to put pressure on ourselves every day of, am I living my purpose? Because some days are hard. Right now, my purpose is to keep my children alive, my tiny children who can't keep themselves alive. And it feels like sometimes it's at odds with my identity and figuring out what that is. And so, you know, I don't know. I I think, well, that is one of the things that scares me most about motherhood is that I feel like I'm going to have to trade myself in for this other vehicle. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm going to have to become a totally different person and put everything that I, all the other things that I want and dream of like to the side or just like forever. Well, you find creative outlets through any stage of life. Mm -hmm. Um, With Claire, she now loves to do artwork. And so we, I was like, Claire, why don't we have an art gallery in the playroom? And so that was such a creative outlet for both of us. With Oliver, who has just turned three, your creativity looks a little bit different. We just mix paint color. Like, there's that sort of creativity, but also, like, your topic of creativity could change. You could find creativity talking about motherhood, talking about, you know, like, you will find that the person that you are right now may be different. Like, your goals, your outlook may be different, but I think it opens your eyes to a different filter of looking through things you know like you're still going to be a very creative person um it could 
change how you, how your, you know, your way of creativity is, Mm -hmm. your outlet is. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I I get the fear that you're coming from because you've heard of people, (laughs) not me, talking about it in a really hard way. Well, but you're making even saying this right now makes me realize like there are ways to express your creativity. Yeah. That are through a different different lens. Yeah. This is from therapy for women on Instagram. Your purpose in life isn't something you need to discover. Your purpose is something you decide and create. Hmm. You don't have to be the best at something for it to be your purpose. You just need to do it. There's Mm. no inherent meaning inside of you waiting to be discovered. It's something that you make up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that goes along with what Liz said, like her tangent of how our society views purpose is how she started it was like, we are told that we are here because we have one unique trait. Then nobody were, else can nobody do. Nobody else yeah. has it. Nobody uh, else yeah. can do it. We were, we're so unique in our thought and in our, with with this trait that we've been given that our purpose is to figure out what that is, and be the best at it. And it's and like, so, yeah, that is figuring out. I like what she said. Like just figure it out and or and like do it. make it or your purpose. It yes. Make it your yes. purpose. Like. I want to be good at this. Yeah. I want to try this. Yeah. Like I I was just thinking like to myself, well, what about artists who come to this world with this innate ability, but the very act of art is creating it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's not about like turning yourself inside out and saying, here's my purpose. It's about like expressing, you know, yourself through art. It's not about, you know, I was born with the ability to paint like Picasso. Yeah. He created the opportunity for himself to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Like, I think that's a good way to look at it. But then it's still difficult, I think, because even if you create and decide, okay, this is going to be my purpose, just that level of, or the the mental pressure to make it the best that's ever you know Mm -hmm. the best podcast or the best piece of writing or the best painting or the best food that's ever been created it's like it can't just be it's just like the obsession with excellence yeah she touches upon that you feel the need to prove and earn your worth yeah yeah and I feel that like you know like I measure my aptitude at being a partner and a wife by how together I can keep the house and how great the dinner is and how how the bed looks so perfectly made. And, you know, like yesterday I like went to the grocery store and like got all of these great ingredients for the week and chopped it all up and put it in the refrigerator because I was such a goddamn disaster last week that I was like, well, I have got to do something Mm -hmm. that's going to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And it's like I opened the refrigerator and I looked at Connor and I was like, look at this, this, look at this, Mm -hmm. like, hello. And and it's like, like, really? Like I need a, I need like a refrigerator full of pre-chopped vegetables to feel Well, it's almost like you needed to prove to Connor that 
hey, I'm, I'm not, not always that a person shit show. that was that last week. I'm this person too. Yeah. And so modern day parenting teaches kids this lesson that I love and I wish was around when we were kids, which was don't say to kids, well, you can't. Like, I'm so proud of you. Like when they show you artwork or if they rode their bike or if they did some some accomplishment, I'm so proud of you. You can rephrase it by saying, are you proud of yourself? And I do that a lot with Claire because by saying I'm so proud of you consistently, you're teaching them that their accomplishments worth is based on how else, how proud of like you someone else is. And they live for not themselves, but for yes. you. So when Claire will tell me something about, I got 15 dojo points at school, which is like they get for being good. I'm like, do you feel proud of yourself? And yeah, I do. So it's almost like this work we're doing, yeah, I'm making this painting and I feel proud of myself for it. Fuck what anyone else thinks. Having this attitude about that and our accomplishments, I feel like could be a game changer. Yeah. And I honestly think that is the approach that I have taken with our podcast mm-hmm. is like, I am not in the metrics looking at how many people are listening or reading or opening. I'm not. Like, mm-hmm. I know you probably are more than I am just because you're more like into the strategy, but I don't know. Like, it, like, I'm not trying to hold myself to a height. I'm not trying to be, you know, armchair expert. You know, Mm -hmm. like if it happens, fine, but like it just feels like even if we have a small community of people that listen to this, it feels like it's it's checking a lot of boxes for me and it doesn't have to be, you know, we can do hard things with Glennon Doyle. (laughs) See, that's my problem. Mm. I write and I'm like, oh, why can't it be as good as Joanna Goddard? Why can't I write like her? And then we do this podcast and I'm like, why can't I have this like game-changing view on a topic but you just like Glennon does but Why? you but you just had one you just had one when you okay. were talking about being proud of yourself but that wasn't someone else had taught me that that wasn't like this yeah but you original. I had never heard it yeah you taught I, me yeah I, I I'm a complete sucker for doing something and not being the best at it so then giving up on it Oh my God, you got it. When we did our sticker business, I'm like, well, I'm not Love and Lion, so. I don't even know who that is. (laughs) I get really, I don't really do a lot of comparativeness as much as I just chastise myself for not doing enough, being enough, hustling enough. Um, Rest. yeah, and like I'm, I'm not pursuing my purpose hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what is it? Someone just tell me what it is. What is the plural of purpose? Purposei, purpi, porpoise, porpoise. <laughs> well, I want to end this purpose. by saying, do you feel proud of yourself for this episode? <laughs> I feel proud of you. I feel <sighs> proud of me. <laughs> I feel proud that I got here with a memory card today. Mm-hmm. Um. That and was your pur- that was your life's that was purpose. my life's purpose today is to bring the goddamn memory card. <laughs> so we could post this so that someone else could figure out their purpose and change the world. If you have any like secrets and tips of how you view, I would love to know from you guys how you view your purpose. Sadi, how do you define it? 
what makes you feel like you're fulfilling it? Do you feel like you have to monetize it? Do you feel like your purpose is woven into your profession? Let us know. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because mm-hmm. I, I think it's different for everyone. Okay, here's an upper. We got um, so every Wednesday Brian has off, and we have now dedicated that to doing day dates. And we went to the High Museum, and we were buying our tickets, and I was like, "Let's do a membership." Because we were looking at the events calendar, and every third Friday, Friday they do jazz, where they open it up at night and have different jazz people come. And now we only made it to the first floor in an hour and a half. I have this obsession with art that I have never had before, and it's exciting to find things in your city that have been there that you just have overlooked. And now it's like the only activity I want to do is just go there and look at art. Pro tip, bring noise-canceling headphones because they allow 30 field trips at one time. And it was it felt like I was in the middle of a kid's jungle gym. It was just like, ah, just constant. And Brian was like, look at the art. Look at the art. Look, <laughs> Stop thinking about it. And I was like, art exposure is good for kids. This is, the, this is good for them. This is good for them. <laughs> I tried to keep reminding myself that – not to be mad at the loud children, but that this was good for them. <laughs> um, uh, my upper is a book. Mm-hmm. I just got done reading tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. <gasps> That's my next book club book. Can I borrow it? From yeah, you? of course. It is wonderful. Everyone has said you that. you want to talk about feeling less than about writing. Wait till oh. you read Gabrielle Zevin's writing. Oh, I love a good writer. I mean, she is insane. Insane. One of the best writers I have read in years. Wow. I ripped through that book. It was, it is an incredible story. You are going to love it. The fact that it was back ordered on Amazon should tell you how good it is. And they had a bidding war for the movie rights. Get out. Yeah. It's fabulous. Fucking fabulous. Okay, I'm excited. I hadn't read a book, like a really great juicy book in a really long time. And when that happens, I like stop reading for a while. Mm -hmm. And I read her book and immediately went on to the library where I have a membership and held like four other books, which includes one of her other books called The Imaginative Life of A.J. Fickery or something like that, mm-hmm. which is about to be a show. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's so fabulous. Um, I actually tell everyone a little bit about what what it's. So about. it's about these two. Uh, well, I guess they're young adults. Two two college students who see each other for the first time since they were kids. They mm-hmm. were very close as kids. They run into each other at a train station in Boston. They're both – one of them goes to Harvard. One of them goes to MIT. They're both like major video game uh, enthusiasts, and mm-hmm. they decide to make a video game together. And okay. it becomes a worldwide phenomenon, and they start a video game company. And – It's just an incredible story of friendship and love and loss and um, just the way that the writer like weaves in the story with the background of the video game is just like, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just fabulous. Um, 
So if you haven't read that, I highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Congrats, you made it to the end of our show. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and leave a review. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. It will only cause us to spiral. We also want to reiterate that we are not experts, but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are. Join in on the conversation on our Substack page at One Fry Short Pot. See you there.